We've spent several weeks looking at Ephesians 4 and 5, and this is the last in a series where we've been looking at the life that God has given us. Um, how, how can we live that in a way that pleases Him and brings uh, His blessing into our life? He, he's given us some very practical advice in these two chapters, some principles, some truths to build our lives on. And so we, we've been digging in, pulling them out. The first part of Ephesians, big ideas about God, um, what he's done for us on our behalf to help us connect with him, what he wants out of the church, what he's doing in the church, sort of the backdrop, big picture. Verse, uh, chapters 4 and 5 deal with these practical matters for living our lives. God's given us our life, and it's our choice whether or not we live it for him or whether we live it for ourselves. And in those choices, we find uh, either his blessing or the consequences of going our own way. Last week, we looked at my life in the light, how uh, we, we figured out as we dug into the first part of chapter 5 or 5, 3 through 14, how we are actually light now in the Lord. We, we are to live as light since God has made us light. He has actually changed us from darkness into light. So we live differently because of this change that's gone on in our hearts that God has, has made in us. And out of gratitude to God, we aim to please Him and the fruit of light grows in our lives. The fruit of light is, we looked at last week, goodness, righteousness, truth, you don't manufacture those things. I mean, you can try. You can try for a while to keep up and, you know, stay focused on those things. But these are things that God grows in us as we walk with him. You, you don't manufacture fruit. You, you can manufacture fake fruit, wax fruit. If you ever had wax fruit on your you know, coffee table, you, you can pick it up, take a bite. It is not going to taste anything like the apple that it represents. It is not good. So if we'll walk with God out of gratitude, learn his ways, dig into scripture, let him speak to us. He grows this good fruit in our lives. It really brings his blessing into our relationships and into the way that we handle our responsibilities and other things. We also looked at how we stay out of the darkness. It's work to stay out of the darkness um, because it, the, the world, there's darkness in the world. There's actually um, in our hearts, there's a desire for to live darkly sometimes, uh, the way they're wired. And so we're going to, the rest of our lives, because of the things that are growing in us, the things that are out there in the world, we have to keep pulling weeds in our hearts so that the right things grow. So we have these thoughts, we have a lot of thoughts, and whether you believe it or not, we have emotions that we can choose whether or not we follow those things. We don't have to cave in. So what you find in Scripture is this, this encouragement, command to pull those weeds. And the way we stay out of the darkness is you correct the desires of the darkness. As those things begin to grow up, you recognize them, identify them, get rid of them. You are to delete the words of darkness. That shows up as, you know, as our hearts, the wrong things grow in our hearts. They show up in our words and the things we do. So we're just to, to not use certain kind of language. We're not to talk about certain things. We're to stay away from that. And we're to choose friends who are in the light because you choose your friends and you set the direction 
for your life. Because your heart, friends, the people that you're really close to in your heart, they shape your perspective. They begin to shape your values. And so it's important to be faithful to the friends and family that God has given you. But at the same time, find people to connect with at a heart level who are wanting to follow God, who are wanting to really grow in their walk with him and to live in the light. And that's one way that you stay out of the darkness. We've got we've got to stay out of the darkness because in the darkness you stumble and you get hurt. You hurt yourself and, you know, the people around you get hurt. And so it's important to set up boundaries to stay out of the uh, the darkness. That's what we looked at last week. We're wrapping up the series today by looking at how to make the most of this life that God has given us. If we did a man on the street kind of interview, how to live life to the max, you know, with the microphone asking people on the street, you'd probably get all kinds of answers, probably fit into a few categories Work hard, make money, then you can buy the good stuff. You can buy the stuff that's going to bring a good life. Um, some might say, get all the education you can because God's given you a mind, or they may not even think God's given it. Most people probably don't in America. Um, it's evolved. You have this mind. You need to make the most of it. That's how you get the most out of your life. Others say, forget working hard, forget education, just go party. You know, just have a good time. That's the way you're going to get the most. In the Bible, what you find out is you connect with God and out of your relationship with him flows the maximum good life that you can possibly have. So that's what we're going to look at today. Some of the things that we can do and give ourselves to that will really help us live the best kind of life. Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. This is what we're digging into. This morning, I'm going to read it, first of all, in one translation, and then as we go through, I'm going to use different translation to go through. The New Testament was originally written in Greek, so later on as I go through, I'm going to pull out some, some words that really help us to figure out what God's saying in this, in this passage. But this one we're going to read in the New King James Version. The King James Version was a version of the Bible that was written in the 16th century in that kind of language. So you read the King James Version, a lot of these, thou's, wearests, and thou'ests. I mean, it's, it's really kind of tough to understand. So they've taken that one and put it into language that's easier for us to, to read and get a grip on. But here's what it says. See then that you walk circumspectly. That's, that's actually a word that's left over from the original King James. And that's a really good word. We're going to look at the Greek word that, that translates right here, but circumspect is a word in English that means to look all around. So as you're living your life, you're looking all around you. You're paying attention. You're thinking things through. You're considering as you choose what you're going to do with your life, as you choose the choices, the flow of life is coming at you. It's, It's coming toward you. And you have choices to make every day. To be circumspect means that you consider all the possible circumstances and all the consequences that you could possibly have from the choices that you're making. It's a really good word. That's the idea here. You want to think it through. Consider it. So see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. When you redeem something, you buy it back. 
because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. That's a waste. Dissipation means it's wasted. It just dissipates. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. The first key that helps us make the most of our lives is to walk carefully, not carelessly. It's a very important thing. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, in another translation, the New Living Translation, it says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. The words be careful is that word circumspect in the other translation. In the Greek, it's akribos, A-K-R-I-B-O-S. It's the word we get acrobat from. And you don't find a sloppy acrobat. Yeah, they, they really need to be careful. And be precise in their movements and the things they do. So that's, that's the key. We're to be exact, precise in the way that we live. It's a key word for the way we're to live our lives. Aim to live in a precise way and learn how to live it for God. That's the idea. You want to try to figure out what God wants. Get into Scripture. Try to live that out exactly in the way that you go about your life. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. The word wise is um, it means to be expert or skillful in the way that you're handling things. The word fools is just the opposite. It has an A in front of it in Greek or an alpha in front of it. And it just is the opposite of being skillful. It's being sloppy. Have you ever seen a house or rented one or bought one, a house that was built by a sloppy builder? I mean, I... I'm amazed. I was surprised because in my house you can look down the, the wall and it's not true. It's not straight. It, it sort of goes like this. And I found out that actually all houses are sort of like that. You can't, it's, it's impossible for a human being to make a completely true wall, a straight wall along there. Well, what happens if a builder doesn't take as much care as possible in, in building the house exactly in a precise manner? Over time, cracks in the walls, things begin to wear out, and it falls apart. So this, this passage is saying as you build your life, you, you need to think it through. And there are a lot of options with your life. You can make a, you're free. God has given you the freedom to choose all kinds of things. But as you, if you're going to be wise, you choose the things that are going to last and bring real joy over time. You know, you're building a house. If you're, if you're building a new house, you have a lot of options. You know, the builder's trying to figure out what kind of foundation they're going to lay, what kind of studs to use, what they're going to put, you know, the stucco and the roof they're going to put on. You have options. You get inside the house, you can choose the cabinets, the countertop, what kind of fixtures. You want to choose the right things as you build your life so that as you grow through the years, it's solid. It's strong. And you're, you're, you're finding the real joy that God wants out of your life. So that's what he's saying here. It's how we're to build our life. Out of all the options for building your life, 
We're to build on the stuff that lasts and makes life really good. And we're going to look at the blueprint to do that in in a moment. We're going to talk about what that blueprint is. So as we handle the flow of life, we're to build exactly, and we're to make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. The word opportunity, there are two words in the Greek for, for time. One of them has to do with the ticking of the clock, like minutes and hours and days. Another one has the idea of a season of opportunity, a season of time. And that's this word here. It has to do with a season of time. So we're to recognize opportunity, what season of time we're in, and redeem it, buy it up. To redeem something means you buy up the opportunity, you, you pay for it. And that's what always happens when you take advantage of an opportunity. It costs you. It doesn't come free. You pay a price for it. And so an opportunity comes along to do goodness. And I see it. And how many times during the day or week do you think of something good that you could do or say for people and you just let it go? Because you get back into what you're doing or it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a hassle to do it. And so you just let it go. Well, If you're buying up the opportunity, these things come to mind to say and do encouragement, other things. You pay for it. You pay the price to do it. You take the time. It may be inconvenient. It may it may be uncomfortable, but you pay the price. You buy it up. And if you do that over time, you have you have a good life. You stack up good choices, good days, and you have a good life as you live that now. The fruit of light, you remember, is goodness and righteousness and truth. And since it's goodness, there's, it, it, it flavors the way that we go about living exactly. Because if you think about it, you start trying to be exact in the way that you live. There's a real danger in a human heart that we could decide to become very self-righteous and nitpicky with the people around us, with our own lives and with the people around us. That's, that's not the flavor of this. That the, the flavor is I'm motivated by the love of God that he's poured into my life, the grace and the patience that he exercises with me. I'm motivated to try to figure out exactly what his truth means for my marriage or my kids or my work or my ministry, I'm, I'm motivated out of that, not out, not out of this sense. Since we already are light, since we've already been changed, we're already God's children, we're not earning his favor. We're not earning his approval, but because of the change that he's made in us, we are trying to live out life exactly. So we take advantage of the opportunity that's before us. If you're a parent of a small child or small children, you have opportunities now that you won't always have. Make the most of them. Buy them up. You buy them up by, it can be a real pain sometimes to get down on a kid's level. But it's, it's very, very helpful for them to connect with them, to pay attention to what's going on, and to try to figure out, God, what does it mean exactly to raise them in the discipline and the nurture of the Lord? What does that exactly mean? Could you help me with this? Um, If you have older kids, you have 
opportunities with them. You're in a ministry, you're serving, and there are opportunities that flow by that you can take advantage of. We're going to have some training events coming up. We have the, the family life seminars. We have a Jesus identity seminar, which will do a couple things. If you have a question about who Jesus is and how to know that he is the son of God, it'll help you answer those questions. If, if you don't, but you've already decided to follow Christ, it'll help you get some answers yourself so that you can share those with other people. So we have these seminars coming up. They, they, they don't, this may be the last chance opportunity that you have to take advantage of those. If it flows by, then it, it flows by. That's the way life works. Now, as I talk about this, you might be thinking of opportunities that you've missed. And maybe your tendency is to break down and cry or beat yourself to a pulp over those things. But I'd encourage you, don't do that. Because while you're crying and beating yourself up, the next opportunity is flowing by. God's a gracious God. He, he's patient. And he's working with you right where you are. So don't, don't get upset about it. Just pay attention to the next opportunity. Ask God for his help as you deal with it. So that's a real key. We're to walk carefully out of a desire to please God, not out of a desire to make ourselves pleasable to him. Um, second thing is we're to live mindfully, not mindlessly. Verse 17 says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will, the Lord's will is. The word foolish means to live without reason or reflection. You don't employ your understanding. You don't even try to figure out what's going on. You just live. You just let it happen. You let life happen. Sometimes uh, we feel like that. Life just happens to me. But the truth is, you, you can choose how you respond. You can make some very important choices that will redirect the flow of your life. And so we're to understand. And the word understand in the Greek means literally to put together or to comprehend. And my idea is, in this word, is it helps you, you, you connect the dots between your circumstances and situations and relationships, what's going on. You connect the dots with those, between those and what God wants or God's truth in the scripture. And so you don't live a foolish life, but you're living a wise life as you figure out how to do what God wants. Now, how, how do we grow in this ability to connect the dots between what's going on in our life and between God's desires and what he wants? Well, the first thing is to get into the Bible. <clears throat> you get into Scripture and you let God speak to you. This has been, for me, the key thing that I've done in my life to help me connect the dots. Now, you can come hear me speak, and I talk about the Bible every week. And that's helpful to a certain degree. But you know what? You won't go to the wall for what I've told you. You will only go to the wall and choose to, when, when, the, when you hit the crossroad in your life where you're making a choice, whether you go God's way or your way, you're only going to do what God's shown you and what you've pulled out of Scripture. And as he speaks to you, you're only going to, to, to build your life on those things. And so it's crucial that you get into the Bible for yourself and let God speak to you. There is a tremendous amount of help there. That's, as I found as I get, I call it a quiet time. 
get up in the morning or sometime during the day, set time aside to pray and ask God to speak to me through Scripture. Boy, he helps me connect dots. You know, Randy, the way way you were talking to the family this morning, that was harsh. That was wrong. You need to get that straightened out. Or, you know, you're, you're really not thinking with the right heart about what's going on in this problem area. You need to think different. God, God helps you connect dots. It's a very dynamic thing. It's what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 18. All Scripture is God-breathed. It means he, he inspired it. He breathed it out. He excelled it. It came from him. And is useful for teaching, for letting us know what God wants, who he is, what he's like, what his ways are, and what his will is. <clears throat> so it's good for teaching. So we learn... And then it's good for rebuking. So we're, we're going along in life and we learn what God wants. And then as we get into scripture, we, we get more and more an idea of what his will is. And then we get off the path and the word, as we get off the path, if we're getting into it for ourselves, it rebukes us. So it gets our attention. You know, that's wrong. What you just said there, that, that wasn't right. Or what you did, what you what you're giving your time to. That's not, you, it rebukes you, and then it corrects you. So it helps you turn the corner and get back on the path of righteousness. It provides all those things: teaching, rebuking, correction, and training in righteousness. That's what happens as you get into it. That's how you begin to connect the dots between what's going on in your life and what God wants. And boy, that that is the blueprint. That you can build on. Because God made us. He made the world. He made us. He made life. And he's given us this life. And we choose whether or not we build on the blueprint that he's given us. But that's the blueprint. That's, that's how we do that. That's the way to maximize your life and the joy that you have in life. The second thing you can do uh, to live mindfully, to grow in this, is to get advice from godly, more mature believers. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end you will be wise. Find people who know God, they have good sense. You see the fruit of their life, and you admire it, that's what you want, and you get with them, and they help you see pitfalls, problems in your thinking. They will help you get the most out of life. But what you've got to do is get with them, and, and the scripture says you have to draw the wisdom out of a wise person. You don't get with them and they just spill. So you've got to say, look, this is what's going on in my life. I really want to know what you think. I I really need to know. And then ask in different ways. Draw it out of them so that they begin to help you see the things that are going on. Because, you know, know, have you ever been asked a question about what's going on in their life? People don't really want an answer. They They just want support for what they're thinking and doing. Well, you have to convince a wise person that you really want the truth. So you do that. You lay it out. You lay out what's going on. You ask for help with it. That's one way. That's another way you connect the dots is you have people around you that um, can help you to connect dots because they've been through similar situations. And they've been trying to apply the Word of God and connect the dots for years, and the Lord's helped them connect some. So you, you go to them and get their help. The, the third thing <clears throat> that we're to do to get the most out of life is surrender to God's control. Ephesians 
Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That means waste. Leads to being wasted, wasting time, wasting a life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What controls you directs you, directs your life. God has given us the Holy Spirit to guide us. But we have to choose to put him in control over and over and over again. It's a continual thing. We keep choosing to cooperate with him or not to cooperate with him and allow him to lead. Now, how do we get filled or how do we live filled with the spirit? Galatians 5.25 says, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. And the implication there is you get out of step. Sometimes you get out of step with the spirit. And so you have to get back in step. Keep in step. Stay up. Keep following him. Uh, even though when you commit your life to Christ, Scripture says the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. And he's the one that grows the good stuff in your life. He's the one that grows these good things. The, the presence of God himself within you begins to grow some things. But we still struggle with our old nature. The old desires that grow up in us that want to lead us to do other things. And so keeping in step means that you have to pull those weeds of the wrong thoughts and the wrong emotions and the wrong desires. You deal with those when they come up, and they're going to come up. They just do. We, first of all, confess sin, which means to agree with God about it. Lord, that's wrong what I just said. He forgives you when you do that. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So as we as you get in scripture, as you walk with God, his Holy Spirit convicts you of things, brings things to mind. You realize I've blown it. God, you're right. You shouldn't have done that. You're forgiven. God purifies you and then ask him to take control. And lead you again. Get back in step. That's the way you do it. Thank you, God, for your grace, your forgiveness. I surrender to your lead and control again. That's how you stay in step. That's how you get filled. And it's very clear in Scripture what the evidence is of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Here here are some keys for the evidence of being Spirit-filled. If... We've been looking at some things that are the opposite of being spirit-filled. Living in falsehood, uh, having anger that just settles, that lingers, that we don't deal with malice, cheating, words that hurt. Um, if, if you're living that way, if that's a pattern of your life, you aren't filled with spirit. But here are some things that describe the spirit-filled life. First of all, a heart devoted to the Lord. Some, uh, I mean, Ephesians 5.19 says, Well, 18 says, instead, be filled with the spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music in your hearts to the Lord. Um, This is some of what we do here. We come to worship here and what we're doing is we're singing songs in a normal setting. What we're used to in America is you come together and. If there's a band playing, you're at a concert. It's, it's entertainment. But really what is happening for those who follow Christ here, 
What God wants to happen is he wants our hearts to turn to him in devotion, praise, honor, worship. So the band isn't entertaining us. They're prompting us. They're helping us to get to the point where we praise God. And our worship is, uh, if you look at Romans 12:1, our spiritual worship is to give ourselves to God for his purposes. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's our spiritual worship. And so what God wants going on here, he wants our hearts to be devoted to him. And we try to, we take care in the songs that we choose. We, we want to sing the truth and we want it to be encouraging. The truth, if you sing a song that's in line with reality, boy, that really encourages you. It, it, it draws your heart to be more and more devoted to him. And then this is an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Your heart is drawn to worship the living God. I mean, this happens to me while I'm driving down the freeway. You know, sometimes I'll just, I'll be thinking, praying, something will be going on, and my heart just wants to sing. I'm very grateful that I don't have to be on key. But I can sing. You know, I can worship God. He somehow can translate, I mean, he can translate that. And, and understand what's going on. This is what worship is all about. You give yourself to the Lord to do as well. It's not a mindless thing. It's not an emotional thing at all. But it's, it's a purposeful giving yourself to God in worship. And so we talk to each other this way, and we sing these songs together, and there's real strengthening that goes on. The next thing that describes spirit-filled life, next indicator, is you're giving thanks to God in every circumstance. Verse 20 says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can give thanks for the bad circumstances because God is going to make them good, even for the bad stuff. God's going to make it good. Ephesians, or 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. We're to understand what God's will is. Here it is. Give thanks for your circumstances. If you're grumpy and cranky, you're not being filled with the Spirit. You are not filled with the Spirit. If you're complaining and grumbling, you're not filled. That's the way it is. We're to give thanks for all our circumstances. The reason we can do that is because God takes some very, very bad circumstances. He takes Bad things, and he makes it good in our life. Do a study of Joseph in Genesis sometime if you get a chance. Because he got some very raw deals. But each time, he didn't grumble, complain, get cranky. Maybe he did briefly. I don't know. I wasn't there. That was a long time ago. But he got sold into slavery by his brothers because they were jealous. And while a slave, he rose to prominence in the house of the slave owner in, the, in uh, Potiphar's house. Then he was accused falsely of trying to seduce the owner's wife, got thrown in prison. Again, in prison, just sets his heart to be faithful, rises to number two in the prison. Eventually, Pharaoh takes notice of him in Egypt. He becomes number two in Egypt. And so here's a guy who's just trusting God. He's walking by faith and doing what he can do and letting God continue to raise him to the level that he ends up in. And it's an interesting statement he makes in Genesis 50. I don't have it on the screens, but his brothers that sold him into slavery show up in front of him because there's famine in their land. 
And they come before him, and they're a little nervous because their little brother Joseph now has the power to squash them. But they really need him because there's famine. They need He's been wise, and he stored all of these things and set them aside in the feast years so that in the famine years they'd have enough. So the brothers come to him, and they need help, and they're thinking, uh-oh, that's Joseph, and he's the number two guy. I'm in real trouble here. And what he says is he says, what you did, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So that he could bring his blessing to an entire ethnic group, their people. And that's what he did. So he had a bigger perspective. And he could be thankful for the circumstances that he was facing. That's why we're to be thankful. God can use the horrible things in your life for your good. But it really takes a tremendous amount of faith to trust him with that. The last evidence of... The Spirit's filling is we're submitting to others. If we're filled with the Spirit, we submit to the authority and and others around us. Verse 21, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you follow the leadership around you. It's interesting because the Holy Spirit is himself God. There is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit submits himself to the Father and the Son to do what they want him to do. So if you're, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're not going to be a rebel. You're not going to be rebellious. You're going to be following the leaders over you. Now, we have the option in our, in our country, if the leaders are um, not great, if you're working somewhere and they're not great, you can leave. And in many instances, we can choose to get out from under the leadership, but if you're if you're fo- you're not a knothead if you're following the Holy Spirit. You're just not a rebel causing trouble. You're 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 following. You don't have to sit quietly. You can appeal to the leadership, let them know what's going on. But you're following. You're you're trying to make the situation better, and you're trying to cooperate. It's usually. We're told in Scripture not to follow leadership that's wrong, that's telling us to do wrong. That's usually not the problem. Following leadership usually has to do with doing it some, doing something a way that I would prefer not to. I have a better idea. And so if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're, you're going with it. You're going with leadership. That's the way it is. This is how you maximize your life. You, you make the most of it by getting connected with God. Aiming to live exactly, not because you want to be self-righteous or you're proud or you're trying to earn his favor, but you, you live exactly to please the one to whom you owe your very life. And you try to understand his will so you can live it out under the Spirit's leadership. That's how to maximize your life. And as you live that day after day, God makes life good when you choose to follow him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God, we thank you for the truth we find in this passage. There is so much help here, Lord. Thank you for making us and when we rebelled, buying us back. You redeemed us, God. You paid the price for us in Jesus Christ. I thank you for the salvation that that brings, for saving us, for redeeming us from our old way of life, so that we could live a brand new kind of life, so that we could get the most out of it, Lord, as we follow you. Help us to choose to live life your way and to please you in the way that we live it. 
and I, I ask for your help just as as we sort through and all the choices that we're facing right now. Many people here have choices going on, decisions that they're making. And I pray that you, Lord God, would help them to make that choice. If there are any here who are considering committing their life to Christ as Lord, to you as boss, I pray that you'd help them with that decision to get the answers they need for that. And Father, we, we ask your blessing uh, on our lives and on this, the rest of this time this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.